Hi everyone, uh, my name is Steve Stewart, I'm with Impact Nations. And as many of you will know, we are now at the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week, depending on your tradition. And uh, it it is uh, generally accepted that it begins with the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday and finishes with the resurrection. I've decided I want to each day do a, a, a short bit of teaching uh, or devotional uh, on different aspects of this. We're going to, today I'm actually going one day before Holy Week uh, to the anointing at Bethany. Tomorrow we'll look at uh, the triumphal entry. I, I want to look at the Last Supper. I want to look at the Garden of Gethsemane and, of course, the crucifixion, Holy Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday. So we're now coming into, as I said, one day before, but the, the final week of Jesus' life. And uh, in this episode, this teaching on the anointing at Bethany, we have Jesus returning to one of his favorite places. We see again and again him going uh, to a little town. Some say it's almost like what we would consider a subdivision now. Uh, of Jerusalem called Bethany. And uh, he's returning again to the home of his beloved friends, uh, Simon and Martha and Mary and Lazarus, who uh, was raised from the dead. Um, the home is, he's called Simon the leper. Isn't that interesting? Not just Simon, but uh, it's likely that that Jesus had healed Simon sometime before this, but but the the name stuck. Uh, he was healed, but there's still sort of a stigma. You know, it's interesting because Bethany literally means the house of affliction or the house of poor, and and historians think that this was one of perhaps three locations in Israel that were like a modern sanatorium where people could come uh, because they were sick or uh, the desperately poor could come for, for alms. And it's this town that's a special place for Jesus. Um, now, as Jesus is there and we have this wonderful scene of of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and all around him, his they're, they're like his family to him. This house of affliction now becomes a house of blessing, a house of restoration and healing, because this is the very place where Lazarus is now. So suddenly in the scene, Mary comes in, and she comes with a jar of incredibly expensive ointment or perfume. Uh, it was it was likely a, either a family heirloom or maybe even her dowry. It was remarkably expensive, and uh, it represented her security. It represented her whole future. And as she takes it, and 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 the alabaster jar was a kind of smallish jar with a long neck, and the only way to open it was to break it off. And and uh, as she breaks this open, she is expressing her heartfelt uh, adoration and love with all that she had. Because again, this was the most valuable thing that, that Mary had. Uh, it's interesting. She hadn't even used this uh, 
this fragrance on on Lazarus when he died. Alabaster jars couldn't be resealed. It was an abandoned giving of, of everything that she had. And then it says that she wiped his feet with her hair. And, and in the 21st century, we can hardly understand how, how incredible this was because um, it was scandalous, really. A woman's hair was her glory. And uh, it was never let down outside of her own bedroom. And so for her to do that in front of everyone was incredibly vulnerable. And it opened her to misunderstanding and, and to criticism. But there's a principle here for us today. The vessel has to be broken for the fragrance to be released. Christ is released in our lives through brokenness. And the house was was filled, it says, with the fragrance of this incredible uh, anointing oil. Um, a, a favorite passage of mine is in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. Let me read this. God uses us to, um, to spread um, the, his knowledge everywhere like a sweet-smelling perfume. Our offering to God is this. We are the sweet smell of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are being lost. The fragrance that came from Mary's offering touched everyone in the room. So what happens? Well, in in one version it says the disciples, in another it says Judas said, why are you doing this? This is so wasteful. This is so impractical. This is so over the top. And uh, But Jesus protects Mary. He says, don't criticize her for this. Why are you bothering this woman? He goes on to say, as, all, as long as the gospel is preached, what she has done will be remembered. He's protecting her from the disciples, and he is confirming uh, her dignity. Jesus' reception of Mary's over-the-top kind of gesture uh, demonstrates something. It's his sensitivity to her. He doesn't care how others are responding. He is fully receiving this. And... um, you know, the, the others thought this was foolish, but he says, no, this is beautiful. It'll be remembered forever. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chose what the world thinks is unimportant and what the world looks down on and thinks is nothing in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. I just want to make a couple of points and then we're done. What I give to Jesus is a true reflection of his worth to me, how centered my life is on him. The second point is this. The fragrance of worship changes the atmosphere. We we're coming into this last week of Lent. It's a time of real contemplation on the Lord and, and a time of adoration. And he wants us to know 
that that the fragrance of worship doesn't just change us, it changes the whole atmosphere. And the last thing is, when we hear this, we, we you know, extravagance always leads to misunderstanding. It's like it's offensive to some people. And when we hear someone or some group say, why are you doing this? Or when they say what you're doing is a waste of your time, it's a waste of money, it's a, it's a waste of talent. We need to remember Mary and remember Jesus in his response and defense of Mary and ask when we hear those kinds of questions, is this the gospel of Christ or is this the gospel of Judas, the gospel of criticism? Tomorrow we're going to go and look at the triumphal entry, which is incredibly powerful. It's filled with all kinds of prophetic meaning, and it and it sets Jesus and his followers apart from the world in, in as clear uh, and defined a way as I can think of in the Gospels. God bless you. Have a great day.